You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got her start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the year, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? We have a lot to get into today. I'm especially happy to have anyone who is checking out the show for the first time. We really appreciate you guys. And a special thank you to all of our loyal fans checking back in with us again today. Most of these recent shows have had a lot to do with the draft, and today is going to be no different because we're going to be starting the show with new trade rumors. We just had the Sam Darnold trade potentially affect the Chargers draft pick at 13, and now it came out on Tuesday that the Falcons are open to moving from the fourth overall pick, which could have some ramifications for the Chargers if somebody else trades up to potentially get a quarterback or if the Chargers were interested themselves in trying to make the leap, and we'll talk about an article laying out what the price of that may be. For the last two segments of the show, we're going to get into some voicemails from you guys. A special thank you to everyone who called in with their voicemails. We have a really good batch today. We're going to talk about, you know, some of our preferences. If we want, you know, J.C. Horn, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith, or Rashawn Slater, if they're all on the board at the same time. If we would potentially try to move back if the two tackle options aren't there. We'll also be getting into, you know, the Chargers potentially putting themselves in a hole by not figuring out the Mike Williams situation and only picking up his fifth-year option with no future guarantees in place for him and having to decide what to do with him after 2021. So a lot to get into, so let's get started. We talked about the effects of the Sam Bradford trade a couple of days ago, and now more trade rumors are coming out, and it's revolving around the Atlanta Falcons pick at number four overall. We now know that more than likely... The top three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Nobody's really moving out of those spots. I mean, the Jets are definitely going to take Zach Wilson at this point, it looks like. The number one overall pick is still going to be Trevor Lawrence, more than likely. And you'd have to think San Francisco, with what they gave up to move up to the pick that they just did, they're going to take a quarterback at three as well. And now Atlanta's sitting there like, okay, well, if you guys want the fourth quarterback, whoever that is, whether it's, you know, Justin Fields or Trey Lance and Mac Jones, We are interested in moving down, and with their roster and salary cap situation, I definitely don't blame them for that. I would definitely be looking for the same thing, but what this does mean, David, is for the Chargers, even without thinking about yet if they would move up to the fourth overall pick, which is a massive leap and would cost a lot, and we'll get into that, but it does likely ensure that someone is going to be moving up for a quarterback if they go up to the fourth overall pick, the remaining of the two quarterbacks you would think that they would have to pick from out of the guys that are considered first-round picks, which would also mean that another offensive weapon like Kyle Pitts, who's most often drafted by the Atlanta Falcons in most of the mock drafts, would be pushed even farther, and now maybe a team that would have taken a tackle is picking Kyle Pitts, or Jamar Chase maybe slides down because of it. I mean, there's a lot of options that could happen, but I do think if someone does trade up to the number four overall pick, it definitely helps the Chargers. 
Yeah, if it's not the Chargers trading up to number four to get their tackle, presumably of the future, that means another quarterback is more than likely going to go off the board, which that means good news for the Chargers because the more quarterbacks that go off the board, the more skill position players like the wide receivers and the tight end, Kyle Pitts, that goes off the board, the more likely the chance of the Chargers getting one of those two tackles that they obviously covet. Uh, at 13 you know to fall to them that's what the best case scenario is I mean somebody trades up if it's not the Chargers to to go get another quarterback and then that greatly increases the likelihood of a potential uh, marriage of Rayshon Slater and the Chargers at 13. It would at least make it more likely. I mean, as we were talking about before the show, I mean there's so many wild cards in the draft leading up to the Chargers that there's an argument to be made for a lot of teams that, hey, if Panay Sewell or even Rashawn Slater are still there wherever they're picking, that that would be the best pick because for the Chargers specifically, if Rashawn Slater falls to you at 13, there's a legitimate argument that not only are you taking a huge need, but you're also taking the best player available. I actually truly believe that, especially at the 13th pick. So obviously, depending on who's available, that conversation gets a little bit trickier, but especially for a guy that could be seen as a tackle or a guard. There's a lot of teams that need offensive line help, and I think a lot of teams that could make the justification to take him. But we all know teams love flashy offensive players, and especially with dynamic teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, so many big-time playmakers. And you also have the Chiefs who have Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. There's definitely... A commodity going around the league right now that is loved and that is unique offensive skill players someone that you think could really open up your offense and I think those guys being taken as well as the quarterbacks is what's going to drive a potential offensive lineman down to the Chargers at 13 but I still think it's unlikely but let's get into a Bolt Beat article because Jason Reed from Bolt Beat has actually laid out this exact scenario talking about what it would cost for the Chargers to move up to the fourth overall pick if they wanted to ensure themselves a really good offensive lineman in Panay Sewell. I mean, I can't see any other player that they would trade up for, to, especially that high from 13 to 4, is a massive leap. But he said that basically it would cost 650 points for the Chargers to move up in, according to draft tables that tell you what these points are valued and how much it would take to move up. It would come out to the Chargers' 13th overall pick, the 97th pick, next year's first round pick and next year's third round pick as well so this is a massive haul david right i mean you don't see teams really ever jump up this much to go get an offensive lineman and i think if that's the case if it's going to cost that much i mean it's still very hard to justify doing that to fill only one position Yeah, I mean, as long as it doesn't cripple you to the point to where you can't address other needs in this draft, I I don't, I mean, I still think it's a possibility, but yes, that is a lot of draft capital to mortgage on a a player who's, who's obviously very, very good and who's going to have a very good career in the NFL, but those type of trades for offensive linemen just don't happen. I mean, they just don't. They go get quarterbacks when they make those moves. They go get a special, uh, you know, wide receiver, generational talent type of guy. Uh, that they don't do that for offensive linemen. So that would be an unprecedented move. And you know, you have to think about: Have the Chargers made moves like this before? Yeah, they've traded up, but never for an offensive lineman. And it's always, you know, whether it's a running back or a linebacker that didn't 
you know, actually do anything in the NFL. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, Manti. But, uh, yeah, th- these type of trades just don't happen. I mean, there, there's a uh, – I mean, this scenario, I, I, if it happened, I, I would st- still be upset, but I wouldn't be as upset as a couple of the other ones that see them mortgaging several picks in this year's draft to make that move. Now, that's something I can't get al- – I cannot agree with or go along with, Daniel. Well, and I think we have a pretty good example of somebody moving up that much and what it would cost anyways because the San Francisco 49ers just did it. They moved up from 12 to 3. It's the same amount of slots. You're still trying to move up nine slots. And this is what they gave up. The 12th overall pick, a 2021 third round pick, and consecutive first round picks in 2022 and 2023. So that's three first round picks you're giving up to go get one player and more, right? Three plus So I think that that's probably more likely what it would cost. I don't think there's almost any way to kind of justify that to take an offensive lineman unless you're getting a generational quarterback of the future, hands down. Maybe you do it, but for not having those assurances, and you still don't ever really have those insurances, it just seems totally impossible for me to see that. But if he slides down to nine, something around there, Maybe something seems a little bit more feasible. Maybe you can talk yourself into getting rid of capital in the future when you expect to be a much better team. That is something I think that the Chargers could potentially get behind given their track record of moving up in the first round. We've seen them do it before, so could potentially be a possibility, but not something that I think would happen. But we do have two more segments to get into. We do have voicemails from you guys to get into. So in the next segment, we'll talk about potentially moving down if the top two offensive linemen aren't there in the draft. We'll also get into our pick at 13 if we had a lot of really good options. And we're going to get into those coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the best protein bar on the planet, hands down, is Built Bar. And I mean, I know you guys heard us talking about all of those amazing flavors in the March Madness bracket. And the champion of that tournament ended up being Coconut Brownie Chunk, one of the best flavors out there, even though there were some conspiracy theories behind it. But if you guys haven't tried Built Bar, you're missing out because... For me, the most important thing is taste, and Built Bars taste great. They're all soft and easy to chew and 100% covered in chocolate. You can even get the birthday cake flavor, which is going to be covered in white chocolate. I mean, there's so many delicious flavors to choose from, and you're getting one of the healthiest protein bars out there. So you can feel good about what you're eating while feeling like you're kind of having a cheat snack while you're doing it. And all you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, all caps, one word for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, well, now it's time to get into your guys' voicemails. And once again, I just want to tell you guys that I really appreciate you guys calling in and providing some really good questions and providing some content for us. And if you guys don't know the number, the number is 323-524-7924 to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. And that's what we try to do. But let's go ahead and get into it. First, I want to start with Ivan from Victorville. Let's see what he has for us. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Getting close to the draft. This is Ivan from Victorville here. Uh, I'm ready for some action. You know, in the offseason. And the uh, agency kind of died down. You know, Now we're just kind of getting our chops ready for the draft. <clears throat> now, um, how do you guys feel about drafting down if the top two left tackles are gone and it's a team that's only jumping up like two, three spots? Maybe we get a second rounder, an extra second. We could address uh, the tackle if maybe Tucker's there, Elijah, uh, Elijah, Barrett Tucker, and then uh, 
who's the who's the next guy? I think it's Jenkins. Um, <clears throat> how do you guys feel about those two guys? Like after 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 uh, Tucker, what do you guys feel about those next uh, kind of tackles uh, behind those guys? And then uh, yeah, maybe we could get a second round pick and then kind of just you know uh, beef up some other spots. We could get like an Asante Samuels, uh, maybe like a Richie Grant, uh, maybe an edge rusher. Maybe Jalen Phillips is there. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, and yeah, bolts up, baby. This season going to be a good one. So I really like this scenario, and I think that if we had any precedent for the Chargers actually moving down, it's something that you think would actually be realistic. Especially for me, not just if those two offensive tackles are off the board, but also the two cornerback prospects in Patrick Sertan the second and J.C. Horn, because I think that's the way the Chargers would go if those guys dropped. If none of those four guys are there, which is something that we've seen, it would be very enticing to move down because in this scenario, I mean, you could still go and get someone like Tevin Jenkins or Christian Derrissaw or Elijah Vera Tucker, potentially. And all of those guys, you can make an argument would still be, you know, you'd feel pretty good about at least having a chance to start for the Chargers in 2021. And the other side of that is you would also potentially in this scenario, David, add a second round pick. So I don't think it will happen. But yeah, of course, I'd be down for it. Oh, yeah, no question about it. I mean, I would love that. I mean, if Rayshon Slater and Panay Sewell are not there, which most, like, let's let's face it, guys, more than likely they're going to be gone at 13, I would not hate it at all if the Chargers were to trade back to maybe 16 or, or you know, 16 or 19 or somewhere within that range and still was able to pick up one of those, uh, you know, other guys, whether it be Tevin Jenkins or Christian Derrissaw or, or AVT, I would feel great about the value of getting any of those three guys in that range right there. But at 13, and I still like AVT at 13 for the most part. I'd still need to do get more more draft prep in. But, you know, in, in the 16 to 19 range window, Daniel, I love the value there. One for us, I mean, I think the biggest reason we've kind of slowed down the Elijah Vera Tucker train is just because it's seeming more and more like he's just not being considered as a tackle, which makes it less likely that the Chargers would end up selecting him, even if he's the best offensive lineman that's still there. But the thought of potentially adding a second round pick and, you know, maybe having Richie Grant and Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round. That to would go, be sweet. Yeah, to go along with someone like Christian Derrissaw or Tevin Jenkins. I mean, that's a pretty good outcome for the Chargers through two rounds. So I definitely see the thought process going on there just because that would be one of the, you know, a dream scenario almost for the Chargers. But we have a couple more voicemails to get into. Let's get to super fan Zach calling in from Florida. Let's hear what he has for us this week. Hey, guys. Zach from Florida here. So I have a fun scenario for you. This is very unlikely to happen, but I still want to get your thoughts. So say we say it's the 13th pick, and you have cornerback J.C. Horn, tight end Kyle Pitt, wide receiver Devontae Smith, and tackle Rayshon Slater, all available. In that scenario, who are you drafting? The reason I ask is because before free agency, our focus was only on tackle. But since we've gotten some offensive line help, it seems like this first pick could go anywhere. And it brings up some questions. Do you maybe go tackle in the first round and try to get cornerback Samuel in the second? Do you maybe go cornerback and try to get either maybe a tackle 
or a tight end in the second, or it's just so many options. So that's why I wanted to bring the scenario up to you and see what you thought and bolt up. So yesterday we ended up talking about that Daniel Popper article about, you know, what's available if you end up going offensive tackle or cornerback in the first round. And then, you know, the leftover options that would be available to you at 47. So I want to focus here just on the, would you rather, you know, who would you rather draft between those guys? And it gets sticky because, you know, guys that are put in this, you know, specifically at Kyle Pitts, like I just don't think there's any chance he's going to be there. He's the one that makes it interesting because he truly seems like he's going to be a generational offensive talent. And I mean, that guy, no matter what your needs are, is always going to be hard to pass up on. But given the Chargers' huge need at offense, at left tackle, and given how highly I think of Rashawn Slater, I think I'm still going Slater here. Yep, no disagreement from me, Daniel. The the, tech, the technical prowess, you know, the footwork, the I've, the fact that I've never seen him really get beat one on one in 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 the tape study I've done so far. I mean, the Chargers have not invested enough premium talent on the offensive line, and it's showed. I mean, there's really no other way to talk about it. They've only drafted one offensive lineman in the last 30 years, and it showed in their performances the last five to ten years. So the time to kick the can down the road on the offensive line is over. I think the Chargers have already uh, done that or put plans in motion with what they've done in free agency, but it doesn't stop in the draft. It needs to continue in the draft, so that means I'm definitely taking Rayshon Slater, no question. When I think both of the tackle positions for the Chargers right now, left and right, are question marks to some degree. I mean, left tackle is a huge glaring hole. Right tackle is just a big uncertainty due to the fact that Brian Bulaga played about 40% of the snaps in 2020. So really, yes, adding that tackle, that premium talent to a team that obviously needs a lot of help at tackle. And me, of course, considering him a starting left tackle in the NFL, I'm definitely going with Sean Slater. But... I mean, Kyle Pitts, I would find a way to be excited about that. Like, it's not like I wouldn't be excited with that pick. It's just not the way I would go, given what I think the team really, really needs to do. But I'd be excited about Devonta Smith, too. I mean, I've already said many times on this show that he's like a video game character. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, if you're picking up a Heisman favorite that put up the ridiculous numbers he did, you would find a way to spin that in a positive way. And it's not like it wouldn't help the team. It would just, you know, keep those question marks surrounding the offensive line and their commitment to changing that very much, you know, as one of our top concerns. But we do have one more I want to get to here. Let's get to Barnaby calling in from the 805 for the first time in a while. Hey, fellas, it's Barnaby from the 805. I just wanted to call in and just thank John for signing up, man, and, and being a service to this country. I think that's a very admirable thing to do. It's I come from a Marine family, so it's very close to my heart, man. I just want to say good luck, John. Hoorah, baby. Go for it. And, uh, you know, also just on the news with the Spanos drama, let's just make one thing clear. Uh, Dean Spanos will never give up control of that team. He'd have to be pulled out, kicking and screaming. Uh, if there's one thing Dean is good for, that is he's going to listen to himself and nobody else. He uh, can be arrogant in a lot of ways. We all know um, what some of the decisions he's made have been pretty questionable. But all that aside, I think we're going to have a great year. We are one to two offensive linemen away from having a good O-line. We need another safety. We need a good cornerback. 
But really, if you look at our team, we are deep, man. I think we're going to have a really good run. I think we're going to make the playoffs. Um, and I think SoFi is going to start to fill up. And we don't need no Jeff Bezos to make that happen, man. So let's just support the current ownership because that's what we got. And uh, Balt up. All right, fellas. Well, we definitely appreciate your kind words to John Keglin. We always wish him the best, especially, you know, coming from a military family myself. Doing this with David, who's a military veteran as well, and now having John shipped out to basic training. We really appreciate that. And I mean, I don't think that Dean Spanos is going to sell the team. I don't think financially, as far as how much the approximation of what that team is worth now is where he thought it would be, right? Like if it skyrocketed and you could make money now by getting out, I think there's a potential he would do it just as a businessman. But I don't think that's happened yet, and I think he'd be selling low. So unless he's literally forced to do it, I would agree with you that he's not going to sell the team if he doesn't have to. But I think the main point here, David, is just that it doesn't really matter as far as the product on the field goes. The Chargers are still spending money. I think there's arguments to be made that, hey, it does matter when you're talking about, you know, what you're paying the coaching staff and how much you're allowed to pay those guys because there's no salary cap on the coaching staff. The facilities, the food, you know, the doctors, the training staff, all of those things are things that if, yes, if you're Jeff Bezos, you know, you might be able to just throw money out there and just start, you know, making it rain and bringing in, you know, the best in the world to all those things, which could make a difference. But as far as just the everyday, day-to-day talent that's on the Chargers and what their prospects are for 2021 has very little to do with who's owning the team. Yeah, all these guys are billionaires, and this is a salary-capped league. So the money that you have to play with is fixed. I mean, we all know that. So whether you're a a rich, quote-unquote, billionaire or a poor billionaire, it doesn't matter. You're still a billionaire, and you have the same amount of money to play with as everybody else. And yes, as much as you know, our personal biases might say we would like someone else to own the team— that's not going to happen. Dean Spanos is the owner, and all rich men are a little bit, a little bit selfish. That's how they stay rich. That's just, you know, that's part of it. And this is his family legacy. I mean, the team has been in his family's care for 60, 70 years now. So I just don't think at this point, and like you said, Daniel, there's really no money in it right now. If the Chargers go win a couple Super Bowls in L.A. and they really, you know, actually supercharge that fan base and they're selling out SoFi every single game after that, then we can see the valuation of that team increase to a point to where it would be stupid not to. But at this point in time, it's not the right time to pull the trigger. Yeah, I don't see it happening. I mean, I think 2024, obviously with the paperwork that we've seen out there is the potential date. If they were to sell a team, it's probably going to be around then. But speaking of filling up SoFi Stadium, we have a question about how many fans we expect to see at SoFi Stadium. And we'll also talk about the Mike Williams dilemma, and we'll get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is BetOnline.ag. Football may be over, but NBA and the NHL and MLB are all in full swing right now. And if you guys don't know, having money on the game always makes the game more interesting. I promise you, if you think baseball is very boring, put a little bit of money on it, and that game just got a lot more exciting. But... BetOnline has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine, and they have you covered for all the new scores and odds, and it's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you can have some free money to spend a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, 
one word for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, well, there's a couple more voicemails I want to get into here. And first, I want to start with one that I think is a very legitimate question going into this next season. It's Roberto calling in from Mexico. Let's see what he has for us. Hello, guys. This is Roberto. Long time no see. I hope you're all doing pretty well. I'm very excited for the season. I I, I wanted to to wish John uh, to have to have a good time there at the basic training. Guys, I have a few questions for you. I was wondering uh, some weeks ago and today, like uh, how do you feel about how the Chargers are going to be in regards to the stadium next season? For example, do you think the stadium will be packed? Like I was looking around social media and apparently some guy was claiming that the Chargers had sold a lot of tickets. So I don't know if that is true. In case it is, I mean, it's really encouraging because they're only selling tickets for the season ticket holders. So I don't know. That really caught my attention. I'm really sick of watching the... Well, it's not going to be happening anytime because we don't play at Carson anymore, but it was really, really sad to watch the stadium half empty and then the other half filled with opposite fans. And I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think that so far will be packed? Do you think it will be empty or half empty, full by opposing rivals? What are your thoughts on that? Um, both up, guys. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know, you know, how many season ticket holders have purchased their tickets, but going back to even the stadium at SoFi, I mean, selling the season tickets wasn't always the biggest issue, and of course, it's hard to imagine, you know, that they're going to sell out 70,000 seats right away, given the fact that they're coming off of a 7-9 and nine season, and also the, given the fact that we've seen them, you know, get filled up with opposing teams' fans back when they were in SoFi and even beyond that, right? So that part is hard to believe. But I think the bigger issue was is those season tickets being bought by online ticket scalpers, for lack of a better term. I mean, those people buying up the tickets, selling it to people coming in from out of state or different fans in the city, and then having those fans fill up the stadium. So this stadium is so big that they're not going to be able to fill up with the opposing team's fans for the most part. And I do think that they'll have a better presence there, David. But I also find it very hard to believe that the Chargers are going to come out of the gate in SoFi if they were allowed to have a full stadium, which which hasn't happened up until this point, to go from what we've seen to having a packed house. Especially not in Los Angeles. I've said it many times before, and I'll say it again. If you do not win games in Los Angeles, you are going to be an afterthought. There really is no other way to put it. The Chargers were, went 7-9 and nine last year. If they do that type of mediocrity in the years to come, that stadium is not going to fill up with Charger fans or attract new fans in the Los Angeles area, you have to win games. I think they have the coaching staff in place. I think they have a very good young nucleus. If they make a couple of other good moves, they could have a really, really good team to where they could get that winning done. But until they do, Daniel, I think you're going to still see an outpouring of visiting fans. I think you're going to not see full stadiums. I just I just don't see it. I, for me, I think it's just I have to believe I have to see it to believe it. And up to this point, there's really nothing that I've seen that would lend itself to me believing that this is going to have full stadiums full of Charger fans. That's just the reality. And I think the Chargers do have a good fan base. Let me say that. I mean, I see it on a day-to-day basis. I mean, the way the Chargers family 
takes care of each other. I mean, usually for the most part, unless it's, you know, San Diego versus LA for the most part, I think most of them take care of each other and support each other. And there's a ton of them, which you've seen in basically any kind of popularity vote done by the NFL. It's just translating that into people showing up at the stadiums. And it's hard to know if that's going to happen yet, but we do have one more two part question to get into. And that's Craig from Texas. Let's hear what Craig has for us this week. We know he usually brings it. Let's see if he keeps it going. Fellas, what's going on? It's Craig in Texas. Long time, no call. couple quick questions for you, though. Uh, what do you guys think the Chargers consider Mike Davis? CB1 or not? think that plays a huge part in how early they go corner and maybe even considering that in the first round. And um, the second half of my question is, well, really it's kind of more of a statement. Um, I don't think a lot of us in draft land for the Chargers are considering the importance of wide receiver this year. Uh, Mike Williams having that fifth-year option picked up was maybe a little bit of a folly on the Chargers' part, and um, they're looking at uh, having to spend a nice pretty penny if he blows up this year and they want to get him back. And, and the prospects of paying him Keenan Allen money doesn't really sit all that well with me. So do you guys think that the team is looking at wide receiver a little bit more intently than what we may think? Um, if not, they probably should be. They kind of pigeonhole themselves. Either way, uh, looking to see what you guys think about that per usual, and uh, always happy to hear from you and everything you guys have going on. So, again, as always, both gang that don't bang. Peace. So I think this is a great question, and I'm not going to pretend like I know that the Chargers think that Michael Davis is a cornerback one. I mean, that's not how much money he makes because – Corner ones, I mean, around the league when you're signing them in free agency are probably making, you know, $18 million, some of them, right now with some of the last contracts that we've seen. But I will get behind this notion. I mean, Michael Davis as your number one corner is pretty good. I would say it's fine. Having Michael Davis be your second best corner, David, is something that's obviously very, very attractive. Right, but as the the Chargers roster is currently constructed right now, I don't think there's any other conclusion that you can draw other than that Michael Davis is the number one corner on the team right now. There just isn't anyone else that is well, on the I think team he's saying though, stature. like this is the way they think about him will decide whether or not they will try to find someone better than him potentially in the draft. So if you're you know using that kind of premier draft capital honor corner like the thirteenth overall pick that now you have found your number one corner while you've always thought of Michael Davis as your number two. Yeah, I mean, I think as the team is constructed right now, it would be great to have Mike Davis as a a CB2. I mean, we saw that worked out with Casey Hayward for a couple of years, and it seemed to work out pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, I think in, in, in the ideal scenario, the Chargers would like to go grab somebody that they feel just as confident as they did in Casey Hayward when they brought him in. But we'll have to see if that happens. But in the draft, they have to address it early. So I think they know it's a position of concern. But whether they draft it in round one or round two will tell us how big of a premium they put on that position. And the other big question as far as, you know, what kind of premium are they putting at this position is wide receiver. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Craig, just because, first of all, we'll get into the Mike Williams part of it because I'm on the same page as you. I don't think there's a good scenario necessarily that could come out with Mike Mike Williams at this point. But, yes, I mean, the Chargers should be proactive in trying to sign a receiver to set themselves up when Mike Williams hits free agency to give them leverage in those contract negotiations and also to give themselves a backup plan if they can't bring him back. And I think that's uber important. And I think the hard part here is, Craig, is that the Chargers are already 
stuck in a, you know, pigeonholed themselves into having needs that they haven't addressed in years past by needing a starting left tackle and needing a starting corner. It's like, it's hard to plan for the future and you want them to start doing that, but it's hard to do that while also advocating the fact that they still need to get a cornerback that can start for them right away on the outside and a starting left tackle in this draft. So I definitely think that wide receiver is a spot that the Chargers should be considering you know, semi-high in this draft. And I mean, they could definitely use someone as a backup plan. But as far as the Mike Williams situations go, I mean, that's what I've said on the show before. I mean, if he has a bad season, yeah, maybe you can bring him back at a discount. But do you want him back after, you know, consecutive bad seasons by his standards? And if he blows up, you would have to pay him Keenan Allen type money, which it's hard to believe they're going to pay two receivers on the same team. As far as roster construction, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have that much money allocated to one position like that. So I think it is a really tough situation. And yes, the Chargers, if they take a receiver high up and maybe they should take him higher than we've kind of been talking about it, it is probably for the eventuality that potentially Mike Williams isn't going to come back for one of those reasons or the other. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. If you guys don't already, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers, as well as giving us a follow on our new Instagram page, which you can find at LockedOnChargers. If you guys don't already, make sure to go give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or even the new Odyssey app. You can find us there and follow us there to make sure you guys keep up with every episode. If you guys want to make it to the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-524. 7924 and we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show so throughout the rest of the week guys and leading up to the draft we'll be trying to bring on some experts and some prospects to get on here to talk with you guys we'll get into the latest in free agency and the draft tomorrow when we get back with you but until then take it easy and go bolts